So it's not necessarily that you're in a house, per se, because these single room occupancies, these people, you're basically you're not housed. Even if you're in these hotels, you're still considered homeless. That's a that's a marginalized way to live, and that's I see for some that's necessary. I wish I'd had it at your age. You know. Anyway, I guess I gotta get out of here. Something's happening. You guys should get safe. Hi, my name is Jonathan Wynn. My name is Mick Washoe. This is the podcast Making It in the Bay. Today's episode is San Francisco's Musical Chairs of Eviction. The audio you just heard is from Angela Slate. You'll hear more from her throughout this episode. For today's podcast, we'll be talking about evictions, homelessness, and the San Francisco housing market. Okay, guys. So, if you're new to our podcast, my name is Jonathan, and I'm from Pomona, California. Recently moved to San Francisco to attend the University of San Francisco. My name is Mick Washoe. I am from Maine and moved to San Francisco about two and a half years ago to attend the same university. So, Mick,、um, what do you know about the housing market?、Um, Well, it's a lot different here than in Maine.、Uh, Maine has a problem of too many people leaving the state, while the Bay Area has a problem of too many people coming to it. I realized not long ago that I contribute to both of those since I left Maine for the Bay Area. So you just read a book.、And、I just read a book. You just read a book. What was that book, Jonathan? Well,、um, we both read "Evicted" by Matthew Desmond, and I don't know. Like to me, like I thought that was a really amazing book. Like he talked so much about evictions and just like the housing market, and it was just it was like weird because he chose Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we're both from coast cities. You know, like it's、yeah. so weird just、yeah. like hearing about the life and what goes on. Like I know nothing about Milwaukee. Yeah, like the yeah. Midwest, you know. except for. Their housing market now,、um, yeah. No, that book was incredible. It really showed a personal view of the housing market and the rental environment. And Matthew Desmond is a genius. He stayed with these families from people living in trailer parks to living in poorly maintained houses to the landlords who rented those places, and just gave a very personal view of what that. Industry looks like. It got us both pretty interested in what's going on here in the Bay Area in terms of eviction and the housing market. Before we get too far into this, Mick, we should give a better definition of what homelessness and evictions are. People that are homeless typically live on the streets because they can't afford a home. However, homeless people are not just the people you see nestled in the doors of clothes shops. They are the students jumping from couch to couch, the people sleeping in their cars, those who sleep in motel rooms every night, and even those who have a single room subsidized by the government. As mentioned by Angela Slate before, even though these people are still able to sleep indoors, it is a marginalized and unstable way to live. 
Evictions, which can often precede homelessness, is anytime somebody is forced to leave the shelter in which they are renting. There are many reasons why people can be evicted, but typically it is because they are in debt to their landlord. Once a tenant is in debt to their landlord, the landlord has all the power and can discriminate in many ways from there. It can, they can discriminate against women and their children, and they can also neglect to maintain the property adequately. Here's a short clip of Matthew Desmond sharing a poignant statistic about low-income people's relationship with government assistance. I think most Americans, if you'd asked them where do most low-income families live, they'd say public housing or they benefit from some sort of housing voucher. But it's actually the opposite is true. About 45 million people in America are below the poverty line today. So only one in four low-income Americans that qualify for housing assistance receive anything from the federal government. That's, that counts vouchers, that counts housing assistance, that counts public housing, all of that bundled up. Only one in four receive that. Three out of four receive absolutely no assistance and have to make ends meet in the private market unassisted. Okay, Jonathan, so what was something interesting that you learned about the eviction process? I think what's most interesting is that I learned that landlords can discriminate against families just because they have children. And they do this because they're afraid that the children will disrupt neighbors and cause a mess and just like lots of other reasons why landlords wouldn't want children on their apartment. But I just think that sucks because these families just have less of a chance of finding an apartment when they have kids and they're just trying to house their kids. Like, it sucks seeing families on the streets. Yeah, and many of the people that Matthew Desmond followed who did have kids were single mothers or mothers who lived with other women who had children as well. And these women are discriminated against not only on the fact that they have children, but they're also evicted more frequently because landlords are less likely to forgive their debt or negotiate with them. Matthew Desmond related this to the fact that many landlords are men, many of them are aggressive, and male renters will frequently confront and address the fact that they're behind on their rent with the landlord directly, whereas he found that women will avoid the landlord, which just makes them more annoyed, sadly, and additionally, women are not offered the opportunity to work off their debt, whereas men are. And in the cases where they are offered this opportunity, it is often for sexual acts. So what's worse, Mick, is that after they're served their eviction notice, they are to show up to court and to plead their case against the landlord. However, these low-income tenants do not have the same accessibility as other wealthier people and they don't have the opportunity or the option to even show up to court on a specific time or day because of their responsibilities like job and like family etc but also these low income low income tenants do not really have the necessary knowledge to handle their cases and therefore feel like they're oppressed or like they don't really have a chance in defending their case which is why they don't even really bother showing up and when tenants don't show up to plead their eviction notice, this actually shows up on their record and prevents them from having a good chance of finding a new apartment to live in. Yeah, not showing up to court can make it so that way you don't have a lot of the necessary information regarding your situation. 
And this leads to people not knowing exactly when their eviction will happen. Maybe they were just given a date range. It can depend on the sheriff's schedule as well as the mover's schedule. And a lot of the people exemplified in this book had not packed or prepared for their eviction. And this resulted in their belongings being put out on the street and them losing many of their things. So after reading Evicted by Matthew Desmond, we took to the streets to talk to somebody more about their experiences with evictions. We found this wonderful lady named Angela Slate. Well, we intended to interview somebody about their stories with eviction. The woman that we met, Angela, had more experience with long-term homelessness. We thought that that was representative of the San Francisco, San Francisco housing market. Angela is a smart woman with a positive attitude and a unique perspective on the world. Here is a clip to introduce you to Angela. And Jesus is homeless, so I feel like, you know what? He, he got thrown out of places. Who am I to complain? You know, all he can do is be of service while I'm in so-called situation. I don't even claim a situation. God doesn't have a situation. He has an opportunity for me. It's an opportunity to minister. It's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity for me to further my education, to humble myself, to put myself in people's shoes, to be trusted by other people. I value that. To be trustworthy is very, very rare here, right now. Common sense is at old time low. Um, and I think I'm in a, actually in a lot of ways in a good spot. I'm a native San Franciscan. Um, I came back in 2008. I traveled all around the world and I went to school and I came back to try to retire and work myself. Angela Slate is just one single story of being homeless in San Francisco. According to the San Francisco Homeless Census Survey, there are about 7,500 homeless people living in San Francisco. Homelessness in the San Francisco housing market is a growing problem in the city. And with so many vacant investment properties in the city, no one deserves to be homeless and face these harsh conditions. Hearing Angela speak with immense wisdom and positivity about long-term homelessness was eye-opening. It is clear that the proper services are not in place to lift people up after times of economic downturn. There are many theories of how to combat homelessness and rising rents. While Angela did not endorse a specific plan, she, as always, was hopeful for the future of San Francisco. I was born in the summer of 67, the summer of love, and I believe that the city still has that potential. No matter what cosmetic it looks like, what's been destroyed, there's still a few people here that have that heart. You'll find some of the best people and some of the worst people. If you're looking, you'll find anything you need in San Francisco. <laughs> Reading Evicted, learning about the harsh conditions low-income tenants have to face in the housing market, and realizing how all of this is epitomized in San Francisco has led me to believe that affordable housing should be accessible to everyone. One of the most appealing solutions to this was presented by Matthew Desmond towards the end of the book, and also in this interview for PBS with Jeffrey Brown. I think we as a nation need to figure out, do we believe that housing is a right uh, in this country, you know, and I think we should answer yes, because without stable 
decent housing, everything else falls apart. And I think taking this program that's already working, housing vouchers, so instead of paying 88% of your income to rent, Arlene would only pay 30% of her income, and she could take that voucher anywhere she wants as long as her housing wasn't too expensive to do, or too shoddy. That would fundamentally change the face of poverty in America today. We could make evictions rare again and decrease family homelessness, but only if we as a country kind of accept uh, the fact that housing is central to human flourishing and economic mobility. I think housing vouchers is a complete and appropriate response to this problem that exists in the city. Yeah, it seems very feasible and where the infrastructure for it is already in place, it wouldn't be a massive overhaul. Also, if there's anywhere where this program should exist, where this program can exist, it's San Francisco. We have an immense amount of wealth as well as a population that believes strongly in social justice. It's just also crazy to me how there's so many available rooms just in the city that are being taken up and used as an investment. But if we just took this idea and instead of using uh, instead of using an apartment as a form of investment, it should be a shelter for a human being and a family yes. and yeah. people to just live in. And this program could also be implemented and accepted by the general public as well because he talks about how the voucher program actually suppresses rents all across the market, not just for those who are getting the government subsidies. As my abilities fade, God gives me other abilities that are quite unique and quirky and different, like dogs. I speak dog, I speak bird, and my therapist thinks that's a good thing, so. I, I mean, you know, I've also been, you know, thinking maybe dogs could use a Fido instead of a FICO. Maybe dogs have been talking and communicating with me. And as they communicate with me, I put their, their stuff in a parking lot for discussion. Basically, I'm their lawyer. And they come to me. They ask me. They want treats. They're getting treats. They want medicine. They need medicine. And they don't want to be on leashes. They don't want to be told what to do. Thank you, Mayumi Ramasau, for consulting and technical production. Thank you, Malaysia Myers, for research and organization. A very big thank you to Angela Slate for all the wisdom that she shared with us. A big thank you to Matthew Desma for writing such an impactful book and getting us interested in this topic. My name is Mick Washa. My name is Jonathan Wynn. We would especially like to thank you all for listening to our podcast. This was Making It in the Bay episode of Musical Chairs of Evictions. Thank you.